Welcome to SVCC Weekly, a weekly podcast from Sangamon Valley Christian Center in Muhammad, Illinois. We hope you enjoy this message from our church, and be sure to check us out online at www.sangamonvalley.net. Well, as most of us should be aware, the holidays are sometimes a difficult time. And so because of that, today as well as next Sunday, I'm going to just take two weeks and I want to talk about grief. Uh, Maybe not the typical Thanksgiving message, um, but again, because the holidays are a difficult time for many people, uh, and we as a church family have had a lot of loss over the past year. Uh, I just want to take some time this morning to address it uh, from a biblical perspective, as well as kind of that holistic, uh, what we need to be doing to handle grief in our life. And so this morning, we're going to be talking about dealing with grief. Now, this isn't grief that is kind of perceived. Sometimes we have more of that just perception because of fear in our lives. Some of us, there's grief that we suffer from because of fears of things that aren't really happening and we think they may happen. I, I'm not going to be addressing that as much uh, today, although some of this could apply. That's a little different. Today we're talking about actual loss. Um, so grief can be more than just someone that has passed away. Grief can be any form of real loss that has occurred. It could be someone that has been divorced. It could be someone that has lost a job. Different losses in our lives cause us to go through grief. Grief is different than dealing with other things. Sometimes, especially when it is loss of a person or loss in the sense of divorce, uh, it takes longer than many of us would expect until we have walked through it ourselves. I was talking to a man I've gotten to know fairly well over the past year. I'm in a Bible study with him and uh, ran into him at a coffee shop as I was preparing for this. And he usually asked me, well, what are you teaching Sunday, pastor? And so I told him, so I'm talking about grief. And he goes, well, as you know, I've dealt a lot with that and I'm still dealing with that. And in fact, he wrote Andrew and I a very nice uh, note with our gift uh, at our wedding that really talked about the love for his wife that had gone on a few years ago now to be with the Lord, but he's still dealing with that. Grief takes a while. Really, if we picture grief, it's kind of like an onion, right? Not because an onion makes you cry, although that would apply too. But if you think of an onion as you open up an onion, what happens? There's many different layers there. Grief is like that. There's many different layers that come off over time. Grief is really that process of unfolding some of those layers. See, our minds, our emotions, really our souls, that inside of us need time to pause and to register the reality of the loss that has occurred. Sometimes we do a really bad job because we don't want to pause and register what's happened. Grief is really shown to take between two to three years to get through the major layers of that onion. Those major issues involved with grief doesn't mean that it's totally gone at that point. But as we begin, I just want to look at two verses, both of which usually if I'm doing a funeral, I read one or both of them. 
But I think it's to bring all of us comfort during times of grief. The first is this out of Matthew 11, verse 28. It says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me. It's Jesus speaking these words, saying, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. If you're weary today, if you're burdened, it's not us trying to deal with it on our own. It's us coming together as a church family, coming before Jesus and asking him for rest. Rest from maybe that turmoil that's going on inside of us. Matthew 5, 3 and 4, it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. It's really a promise. If you're mourning, if you've gone through grief, that there is comfort from God today. Come to him, he'll give you rest, but he's not just going to give you rest. He's going to comfort you in your loss. Something I think is important for us to realize as individuals, but really as a church family, whether we are walking through it ourselves or we are helping others walk through times of grief, is that we really carry grief with us all of our life. I think we miss that sometimes. We want people to get over it. And we focus on that. We think, well, okay, it's four years later. Why aren't you over it yet? Pastor Jim McGuire, who most of us know, he pastored here for a few years. And when he comes, I usually have him give us a greeting. He's worked as a hospice chaplain for close to 20 years now. I asked him a, a while back to do a training for some of the pastors that I work with. Because again, we all deal with grief and how do you handle that? And one of the things that he said in, in this training is this exact statement. That's why it's quoted because it's, I'm quoting Pastor Jim here. It's really, we carry that grief with us all our life. It's not just it's done with. Now, yeah, we have to continue to move on. And we'll talk about the stages of grief that many of us are familiar with. The last stage is acceptance. But if you work all the way to acceptance, it doesn't mean that grief is over. It's okay to carry that with you. It's okay. We still have to move on with our life. We can't just stop. We need to take a moment to pause but we have to continue to move on. We have to continue to take the next step and the next step. But it doesn't mean that grief just disappears. It's okay that you carry that with you. There are memories that occur. Grief is something that I think sometimes we don't do a good job ourselves with. And so we really do a bad job passing it on to our children. Grief is really something if we do it well, we need to think, how do we do this well so we model it for our kids? My parents, and I don't know if it was because of just life circumstances that they possibly were going to pass on and be with the Lord at any point. So they thought, well, we're going to familiarize them with what death is like. So they're prepared for possibly of us passing. I don't know if it's just because we're part of a church family and a large family. And so that happens as people get older, as accidents occur. But I remember from a very early age going to funerals having that reality of knowing that people actually lose their life and pass on from this world. Grief changes us now, but it also changes us always. See, there's an immediate adjustment for the loss of life, immediate. It's that reality that things are different now. But there's also a readjustment 
There's a readjustment to that bond that we maybe had with a loved one, with a friend, a spouse, a parent. That bond doesn't necessarily disappear because they're not physically present with us. That bond changes, but our memories are still real. It's just that physical part is no longer here because they're no longer with us. Our relationships and life pursuits now must be reorganized in light of the loss. You carry it with you always, but we still have to begin to deal with the loss. The five stages of grief are, are this. I think this helps us when we see other people go through it and we're going through it ourselves. What are they? Now, these are not straight out of the Bible. This is a more psychological study that's been done. It's, it, it's good, though, for us to realize these. And at each of these stages, God wants to come and comfort us. He wants to come and give us rest. The first is denial. It's that initial shock. Something has happened. Life has changed. We, we begin to really intellectualize. Our, our thought process begins to grasp that there's a loss. But there's a denial. When you hear something tragic has happened, oftentimes our first response is, no, that can't be. Second is this, anger. Oftentimes our anger with it ends up becoming guilt, sometimes depression. Those are all natural things. It's okay. The third stage. Well, let me say this also with the second stage, anger. Sometimes what happens is there's actual physical changes in the body as you're grieving. There's physical things that happen, either weight gain, weight loss, your immune system can actually become weaker as you're dealing with grief. Those are normal. Blaming others can happen in this stage. Avoiding others can happen at this stage. The next stage is bargaining. People try to recover, or we try to recover the lost person by bargaining with God. As believers, we say, how could you let this happen, God? Why me? I think God can handle those questions. So don't feel bad for them. We don't want to get trapped in that thinking, but I think it's okay to recognize those emotions. The fourth stage is often depression. Comes mixed with guilt, anger sometimes. We blame ourselves for not maybe doing what we should have done. It's important for us as a church family to allow people to be depressed in this stage. We oftentimes want to disassociate with depression as if it's so evil. I think it's actually okay. And I think it's an appropriate response to grief. But remember, we still have to come back to the promise that God will comfort those who are mourning. So though we need to give people the privilege and the luxury of going through the stage of depression during a time of loss, we also have to be there to comfort them through it, to be the hands and feet of Jesus as people are going through this stage without saying, no, you shouldn't be there. No, that's not right. Jesus himself, the son of God, wept at Lazarus' funeral. Right before he resurrected him from the dead, by the way. He, he wept. 
I'm not saying that God necessarily was depressed there, but he was showing his emotions. That's okay to do. The fifth stage is this acceptance, resolving the loss by accepting the hurt and memories, moving on with a focus for what is yet to come. Acceptance. See, normal will never be as it was when there's a time of loss. There's a new normal, so to speak. What was normal, it's not going to be, it's not going to go back that way. We can't be stuck there. We have to continue living and accepting, adapting, creating something new. In fact, as I was reading and studying for today, one Christian counselor even said this when it came to loss and and really in dealing with children. You know, when a child loses a grandparent, especially a young child, what do you often teach your kids to do at night? You teach them, okay, you pray for grandma, for grandpa. Lena stayed the night and we go to bed. And so, well, what do you do with kids? You say your bedtime's prayers. And she, of course, says, well, I don't know how to pray. I said, that's not true. She's four years old. You do too know how to pray. I said, who do you want to pray for? Okay, for me, ma, for papa. Right? Kids do that. We teach our kids to pray for others. Well, one thing that's important even for kids to realize is once a grandparent has gone on, you don't pray for them in the sense that they're still alive, but you still can pray for them. But the prayer has to change. It's a new normal. You have to reorient yourself to what's going on. You have to do something new. And so really what you now do and you can teach your kids is you don't say, okay, pray for them as they're no longer here, but you can now pray for them and thank God for the time that you had them in your life. It's that rediscovering of what life is to be now. I think Psalms 23 is probably one of the most comforting verses I know when it comes time for a loss. In fact, I think it was Psalms 23 that at four or five years old, my mother made us memorize. Again, I think probably preparing for what they were thinking could be in her and my parents' life as the terminal illness was discovered. It says this in Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Yes, I'm still going to read it from scripture because even though I am the pastor, um, my memory stinks. (laughs) I have to re-memorize verses I've memorized before because I'm bad at it, so don't feel bad if that's you. Though if I hid this, I'd probably get at least halfway through the verse. I'm sure some of you could too, even if you haven't intentionally memorized this because you've heard it so often. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's comforting knowing that 
you and I, if we put our faith, our trust in Jesus, if we accept that grace that's been given to us, that we can make that declaration that I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Our loved ones that have put their faith, their trust in Jesus, they're dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. It's a, we're mourning their physical absence from us here and now, but as believers, we celebrate at funerals for believers knowing we are going to see them again. We celebrate, and yet this verse is to comfort us in our time of loss. I think it comforts us in three ways, and you probably could come up with some more if you thought through it, and feel free to do that. But I'll have Carissa put those up on the screens. I think this verse, it allows God to restore our soul. It's what it's talking about. I don't know, maybe I missed those back there today. Um, but I'll just give them to you. Psalms 23 it does three things for us. It's, it allows God to restore our souls. See, we need to pause when there's a loss that occurs, recognize where our emotions at, our minds at, the loss that we feel even inside of us and our souls. And yet God is the one who needs to come and restore our souls. So we move to that place of acceptance of what has happened. See, God is the one who's leading us here, Psalms 23 says. He's the one who's our shepherd. He's the one who leads us besides the still waters. He's the one who restores our souls. He's the one who leads us in the paths of righteousness. It's him. He's doing it. Allow God to be the one to do it in your life, to restore your soul. I, as a pastor, can't do it. I can come in and be the hands and feet of Jesus and try to comfort you, but that inside hurt that's felt, I, I can't really do a whole lot about that. Only God can. I think this verse, this chapter from Scripture also tells us this. Know that God is with you. Even in those times of grief, those times of loss, God is with you. Sometimes we don't always feel it. Sometimes our, our anger, our depression makes us question that. But we have to come back to, well, what do we know? What does scripture say? What's the absolute? It says God is with us. So allow God to restore your soul. But part of that is knowing that God is with you, even in the times of loss. Third thing is this, spend time in his presence without rushing. Sometimes we want to rush it. Sometimes you want others to rush it. Okay, it's been a year. It's been two years. So from, from what I've read, it, it takes at least two to three years to get past the big layers of that onion of dealing with grief, dealing with loss, loss of a loved one, divorce, a job. It takes a while and that's okay. But during that time, allow God to come in. Allow him to work in those deepest parts of us those questions that we have. Know that he is going to be with you. Though normal isn't going to be the same, allow God to be with you as you rediscover what life is going to be like now. And throughout it all, continue to spend time in his presence. I don't mean in the presence like God is always with me because he is, I'm a believer. I mean, times when I set aside and I'm going to turn on some worship music some of you, maybe I'm going to turn on a 
a Bible preacher, Dr. David Jeremiah. He's a great one. Some of you, maybe I'm going to go sit out in God's creation, whatever it is. Be in God's presence. Amen. Let us all be sensitive to one another as many of us walk through times of grief, but also be aware of what it is like to walk through it. So that as all of us come to those seasons and all of us will, two things are certain in life, death and taxes. We all are going to have to deal with it, whether we have yet or not, we all will at some point. So worship team, will you go ahead and come up and I'm going to have worship team just kind of play for a few minutes here. And I want us to just sit in God's presence. Allow God to come and be the shepherd. One of the best ways to do that. And even as we read in the old Testament with, with David and Saul, as David played his instrument, there was a calming that happened of Saul that God initiated, God orchestrated. It's the same thing for many of us as we allow anointed musicians to play that God just brings a, a calm. And we need that sometimes. As the psalmist also writes, be still and know that I am God. So let's take a moment, do that. Will you close your eyes and let's just have the musicians play behind us. Thank you for listening to SBCC Weekly. We hope you'll subscribe to this podcast as well as give us a like. You can visit us again online at www.sangamonvalley.net.